So Howie didn't buy at the trading deadline. Are they going for it? And if they are going for it, why are they going for it? <laughs> yeah, they, um, you know, they're always active. And when I was trying to get a read on, on what they were doing heading into the, uh, into the, the trade deadline, so, uh, yeah, I was asking, are you buyers or sellers? And, and it was like both. They don't want to invest too heavily. They have to think about their futures. They don't want to give up draft picks. I think that put them in a spot where they just ultimately decided to, to sit it out. And I think that was the right call. They were willing to, uh, to maybe part with some veterans if the things were to surface. Yeah, does Ertz get traded if, uh, if he doesn't get hurt, you think? I think a good possibility. Welcome back to another episode of the Water Boys podcast presented by Last Out Media. I am Coach Gary, joined as always by Mr. Kyle Pagan. And before we let Kyle speak, I have to admit you do. I got to admit something to the listeners. I am an addict. I am officially. Oh, Jesus, I, what are you? What are you saying? I am officially addicted to handing out free T-shirts. <laughs> it's it's completely out of control, and I'm going to address the people. That are thinking about asking me for a free T-shirt. Wait, hold on. Is this is this might be bad? We might just so do the backstory first. first how I discovered all, no, something no, today. Only one person has ever asked for me to send them a T-shirt. One person was like, "Hey, can I get a shirt?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> but we we'll have people we'll have people DM us every once in a while and be like, "Hey, I really enjoy the show." And I, I, I'm sitting there like at work, and I'm like, "Fuck, send me your address and your T-shirt." You're a softie. I, it's okay. I I know. And here's the thing. I'm I'm turning fans into soldiers. That's what I'm doing. These guys will die for us. <laughs> We're building an um, army right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean the guys Your in New Hampshire. I don't know. He just loves yeah. Los Angeles. He loves us. I fucking love it. I have no problem. Listen, keep saying nice things. <laughs> for the bottom line of my life, I cannot keep handing out free T-shirts. It still costs me money, and I don't regret it. I don't regret it. Anyone I promise a T-shirt to, I do not regret it, and I want to do it again. But daddy needs to rein in the finances a little bit. I'm getting a little trigger happy. <laughs> it's a on pandemic. The it's a pandemic. Yeah, yeah it um, sure is. That's funny because I'll give a little backstory. Um, me and Gary both have access to the Twitter feed. Um, so I randomly see that, you know, we have a notification in the DMs and I'm like, okay, wh- whatever. This kid DMs us. Um, before I could even answer, it's just like, it was just like, hey, I really like the show, blah, blah. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Real nice, like didn't have to do that. Took time out yeah, of his day. Just, it was fantastic. It was I see a message pop up, goes, hey, what's your address? I'll send you a free t-shirt. <laughs> I was like, I, <laughs> I screenshot it, give it to Gary. Be like, is this your doing? And you're like, yeah. yes, yes. I was we like, talked right, about, we, we talked about this a week ago. I was like, hey, I need to stop. And then I just, I jumped back in. I had $5. Hey. I found, I went to the corner and I just, I sent another t-shirt out. It was yeah. a bad look. Listen, it's, it's not a bad look. You know why? Because the guy who's getting a t-shirt, I got a fan for life. That's a soldier, baby. Yeah, that's a I'm soldier. A soldier. Oh, <laughs> anyway, talking about it's, it's really, no, but it is really easy to give away shirts. It's so easy. It's also like, we love design tree. So design tree, thank you so much for doing a great job with our shirts. And listen, do, do we get a kickback on the shirts? We do get a kickback on the shirts. We so do get like, a kickback on the yeah, shirts. So it like, works out well, but yeah. if you're paying for the shirt, the kickback really doesn't, it doesn't help. You buy a shirt. It's great kickback. Yeah. But so please, I, hey, actually that's a good, that's a good plug. We have four shirts coming out. I'm not going to tell you shirts. what they are. But look for it on, on, on the Twitter. Four I shirts. promise you, they're good shirts. They're good yeah. shirts. Would I, would I lead you astray? Would Gary lead you astray? Don't ask Gary for a shirt. Please, for the love of God, the <laughs> kid has to pay his bills. Uh, it's like putting crack in front of Charlie Sheen. Please do not ask yeah. Gary for a shirt. 
and if you do, you got to ask for the water boy. So Kyle might take my Kyle might take my Twitter pr- uh, privileges away because there's also times where I drink late at night and I go through comments and like every single one that is like supporting Carson Wentz, and I'm like, oops, did that on water boys. <laughs> and then I get the call from Kyle. He's like, hey man, you got to stop liking things on the Twitter. I'm like, my bad, my bad. Oh man. Anyway, um, talking about not liking things, Chris Heck. Whew. What a Man. fucking dick. Kyle, go off. I know you're really upset about this. Just go I off am. on your sack. I am upset because they just they Yeah, finished. hold on. Before before you go into it, explain explain yeah. exactly what we're angry about. Because no if no one knows who Chris Heck is without sure. context. So let's go into context, Kyle. Let's say he's the senior vice president, vice president of communications. Basically, he does all the hype videos, he does all for the, the marketing. 76ers. He does all the jerseys and whatnot. For the 76ers, excuse me. Everyone knows about the boathouse jerseys. Listen, we went nuts. Were they as bad as they were? Not necessarily. It's just a really weird landmark to, to expose, to, to express on a jersey. I, I don't think people would really count. Like, it's nice to drive on 76, but it's Boathouse Row. He tried it's to call beautiful. it like a nightlife place, and it's not really – you're not going to club Boathouse Row. Uh, oh. the, Philly, the Philly Flash Bus, yeah, maybe. On a nice little, uh, little out on the, on a nice little yacht in the Schuylkill, yeah. little club, little canoe out there. I just, uh, trademark that. We'll trademark that. All right. I, I just don't understand the whole boathouse roast theme. I will never understand the boathouse roast theme. I mean, you, you, could, you, could, you could be cheesy and do the skyline of Philadelphia. It's an okay skyline. It's not the greatest skyline. You could do the Independence Mall skyline. Not necessarily skyline, but like you could do, you, there's a lot of things you could do. You could fucking do Rittenhouse for all I care. Just the fact that Boathouse Row, it's not even the most famous attraction in its own neighborhood. It's the art museum. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting take. I actually didn't hate I don't like the jersey, I'll say that. I don't hate the idea of them trying to incorporate Boathouse Road, Boathouse Road because it is it is really pure, it is really nice. It looks very yeah. nice. I love when the anytime there's an NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, NBC Sports football game, you know you're going to get the B-roll of Boathouse Low lit, like lit up green. So, mm-hmm. you know that's coming. But at the same time, Philadelphia in terms of landmarks, they have landmarks, but they're more or less events than they are nice architecture so, so i i have no problem with going with what they went i think i think they tried to do something and it just turned out bad it looked it, the, the shirt the jersey's a bad jersey don't get me wrong but I'll i like what, the effort they go they go six and oh in the in this in the city jerseys people do a complete 180 on the jerseys the thing sure. that i don't like is they teased us so right with the black he changes his his profile picture to ai in the 2001 this is Chris um, Heck did this. Chris Heck did this. He changed okay. his jerseys to the 2001 Sixers jersey. And, oh, by the way, these jerseys are also made. They also start the process two and a half years in advance. So the next year's city process, jersey right. is they, – they, uh, the next city jersey is already made. They already know what it's going to do. It's actually going to be the tent city silhouette down in Kensington where all the crack uh, addicts go. I thought it was just going to be a, like all the like abandoned row homes next to their uh, practice facility in Camden. No, it's going to be a cheesesteak oh, jizzing on the Liberty on Bell. If we have a shot at this – can we make it a silhouette of BB&T Center when I'm blackout drunk walking out from Dave? With Dave Matthews like, yeah, yeah, playing yeah, on that playing. Put the, put the fire dancer on there. And, and everybody just, like, just in, the, in, the, in the grass. With a, huge, with a huge cloud of smoke over it. That's, that's a city jersey right there. That's a city jersey next year, actually. Oh, perfect. But so, let's explain why you're so mad at yeah, what he said. Because he changes his profile picture, and I ran with it. I, I'm a sheep, so maybe I got burnt. But mm-hmm. you don't change your profile picture to AI in the 2001 Sixers jerseys. Ben Simmons had a poll that said, hey, what's, what jersey should we do? The 01 Sixers jersey, above and beyond, won the poll. It's the 20th anniversary. It's just an easy win. And then he, he goes on to UniWatch. 
and UniWatch is a pretty cool website where it just talks about uniforms and whatnot. And he says he, how much of a proponent he is, how much he loves reading it and whatnot. And he says he absolutely hates the 01 jerseys, which I'm okay with. They're not the greatest jerseys. AI made, AI no, they're, could not, wear, they're not that great. AI could wear the Chinese come again, uh, take out a uh, bag over his head as a jersey. And people would be like, that's the coolest fucking jersey I've ever seen. Right. So the fact that he teased us and he said it was a cheap win to, to do the 01 jersey. No one was asking for the 01 jersey. People were asking for maybe a rec- recreation of the 01 jersey. And it's I would easy, like the 01 easy, court back. I, I don't really hate the 2001 jersey. It's the last team that went, it's the, it's the last team that went the farthest that any Sixers team has gone since then. It's been 20 years. So it's like you can't tease the fan base and not feel a little cheapened when you get Boathouse Row, which is just a bunch of fucking kids from Penn, Temple, Sal, Big Five going and rowing on the Schuylkill River, which the Schuylkill River is like the dirtiest, most ugliest river where people just like die and people get raped and murdered on, on the trail Yikes. when they run at night. Okay, that's that was a lot. I mean, it's yeah. check, check ABC6. I'm right, not do, listening. I'm, do, not, I'm just saying. Do, 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 do Kelly Drive Trail, type in raped. I'm sorry. You want to be a yeah. big boy? I'm sorry. It's, it's real. All right. In new Philadelphia, problems don't happen. And not my Philadelphia, old Philadelphia, life's real. Explain the new Philadelphia thing to everybody because that, that one got you going too. One thing I agree with is I don't think Philadelphia is blue collar. I think certain sections of Philadelphia are blue collar, but I live in Fairmount. You go down to Old City, you go down to South Philly. They're all gentrified. Center City's gentrified. The only places that aren't gentrified are, are deep north, west, and southwest. We're not really blue collar. Northeast is blue collar. Delco, I think, is blue collar. I think that, I think certain other areas of Bucks County and Monco are blue collar. But Philadelphia, Don't forget the boys over across the bridge in South Jersey. We won't forget blue, them either. Blue collar living over here, baby. Where I think there was a disconnect is you have a lot of people who spend a lot of money who might have blue collar fucking jobs. And you're going to come at them and tell them that, you know, we think blue collar is or Philly is a lazy narrative and we're not trying to be blue collar hockey or whatnot. It's like, dude, say what you want about the Flyers. They have some of those passionate fans. Even when they suck, they sell out. When you guys sucked, no one came to your game. Right. So that was the one thing when, when he went after, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be blue collar hockey. I make fun of the Broad Street bully hockey more than anyone in the world. I will give this to Flyer fans, the, one, the, the real Flyers fans. There's, there's a faction of Flyers fans that care so much about the Flyers, and they're easily one of the top three most passionate fan bases in the NHL. Yeah. And they are an absolute institution in Philadelphia, that Broad Street bully fan hockey. Like, they are an institution of Philadelphia fandom, and to go at them is inappropriate. Like, don't, don't go after any group of the fan base ever. If you work for a professional franchise, don't go after the fans. The fans are the ones that make you all your money. It's just the truth. Maybe those TV contracts help a little bit. I don't know. But I would assume the customer, me, still, you still need my money. So don't tell me I'm an idiot or tell me I don't like something. Like, that's, and, that's where I kind of got off from that part. And, dude, whoever runs the social on the flyers, if you, if you happen to stumble upon this, if you happen to, you know, listen to us, DM us. We'll send yeah. you a free shirt. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> Come on. All right. Because <laughs> them clapping back today with the Philly blue collar thing, it's an all time. Am I wrong when I, when I say this, that the Sixers could use a couple blue collar tough fighting fuckers like yeah. Jimmy Butler? Uh, mm, you said it. Jimmy, I'm going to say Jimmy Butler again, and we shouldn't even harp on this, but Jimmy Butler's on this team. They don't have the road record they have last year. They could yeah, benefit from a couple blue collar guys. 
It's the bit in, and the funny thing is, I'm starting to come around to the front office. I don't think that it was ever the front office, whether it's whether it was Brett, whether it was the guys they just let go, whether it was Elton Brand. I think it's all the business side. I am the biggest Scott O'Neill hater. I actually liked Chris Heck before uh, about 24 hours ago. I think Scott O'Neill, they, they think they just instituted some crazy business and sales strategies and marketing strategies that like made Josh Harris become a $250 million owner of the 76ers to a, I think it's like almost 2 billion now. It mm-hmm. wasn't you guys. You have two of top two top twenty players. One of the guys are one of the most biggest personalities the the NBA has ever seen. And you had an executive who instituted a movement, who instituted a process that you guys wanted nothing to do with until. And now you market it. Now you market. Now you market it. Yeah. Doing thing. And you trademarked it. You 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 would have never. You didn't want anything to do with the process until you're like, oh fuck. Well, we can make some money off of this. So Scott O'Neill yeah. and Chris Heck we're not paying for you. You saw what happened before we had Joe. You saw what happened when we did have Joe. You saw what happened before we had Ben. We could get a, we could get a row of seats for $8 at one point on stuff up. Dude, I was considering becoming a, I was becoming thinking about becoming a season ticket holder. A guy who has said, yeah. I wouldn't go watch a Sixers game if they were playing in my backyard. So think about that. Um, oh, by the way, crazy. I was told my tickets would never go up. That was a fucking lie. I got, it went up yeah. $1,400 in the last two, two years. So crazy. Crazy sports times in, in Philadelphia right now. We got Chris Heck being the guy at he, moron of the week. Chris Heck, moron of the week. But <laughs> Is that a new segment? Absolute Shlemiel. Shlemiel, Shlemazel. Shlemiel spills his soup, but Shlemazel gets his soup spilled on him. So Chris Heck, Shlemiel, spilled his soup. A guy who got his soup spilled on him, Mr. Doug Peterson. This guy, not very good at press conferences. So what we decided to do, we brought on the guy who started it all, Mr. Tim McManus, asked the first question about Brett Favre. We have a great interview with Tim McManus, a little bit about what happened in the first eight games, what's going to happen with them getting healthy, and what the hell happened in that last press conference. Let's kick it over to Tim. All right, we're joined here by Tim McManus, ESPN Eagles reporter and contributor to 97.5. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. How's everything? Uh, everything's great, boys. Thanks for having me on. What's going on? Can't complain. We're just out here, you know, suffering through another year of Eagles football. <laughs> first, first place Eagles, though, right? That's right. That's the first place. <laughs> the first place Eagles. Can't believe that's what we're saying right now. Anyway, we want. There's a lot to get into with the team, but the first thing we want to ask you is kind of give us a retrospective of, let's say, the first half of the season and how we arrived at this point, and what do you think were the key factors and which brought us to the point we're arriving at now is we're in first place with a tie and a losing record. Yeah, I mean, first thing is it was, it was a little bit of a disappointing first half from the perspective of, if you remember, the, the narrative going into the season was, and the Eagles have that big advantage because the rest of the NFC East is turning over their coaching staff, and, and here's the continuity, and they're going to be able to take off and, and use that to their advantage. And it just did not go that way at all. I mean, it seemed like they were the ones that were kind of having to adjust. Uh, and, and the quarterback play – is the other thing that really stands out. I mean, Carson Wentz in year five, I was expecting him to take that leap when he saw the way that he finished out the last four games of last season when he was carrying all the practice squad guys down the stretch, four straight wins, gets them into the playoffs. I really thought that that was going to be like a launch pad for him. Uh, and he has regressed and totally gone the other way. And so that was obviously a surprise. And, and moving forward, I think the second half of the season is largely about – you know, evaluating whether he can snap out of that and be that consistent quarterback that you're looking for. 
And the other thing is just, you know, the same old story with the injuries. This is uh, this has been three years now uh, where they've just been ravaged by injuries. Um, it's, it's really held them back. And if you look at the offensive side, you know, four-fifths of the offensive line, Miles Sanders, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. I mean, it was, it was Jason Kelsey and it was Carson Wentz, and, and that was about it uh, for a second. And so, yeah. um, you know, they've just had to sort of piece it together. And uh, thanks to the NFC East, they're still in this thing. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you can just rattle them off. I mean, I've, I think I stopped counting after, after the fifth uh, offensive lineman went down. We actually were talking, and it's actually going to be kind of interesting this Sunday, I think. We're, we're kind of, besides Ertz and besides uh, Brandon Brooks, this is kind of the healthiest they've been. This is kind of the team they've actually built for. Alshon coming back, Miles Sanders coming back, Goddard's obviously back, and uh, I think Lane's, Lane maybe is playing. Yeah, is I think that he's going to play. Okay. I think he's, he's been limited, um, and you never know, I guess, with both of those injuries, the knee and the ankle, does something happen? Does it swell up? That happened yeah. to him a couple of weeks ago where it looked like he was – on on target and then wasn't able to go but he's got like he's got a knee brace on that left knee right now he's been practicing in a limited fashion and i think he'll end up playing yeah and it's just like this is going to be telling this weekend i think it's a classic rivalry game so i always assume it's going to be close but it's going to be telling i think in two weeks against the browns what what this team is actually like i think with all these guys that are back and whatnot it gives you finally a look at what the real eagles are going to be like what do you think about that yeah, well, I think that there has to be some regression to the mean here for this team and, and for Wentz in particular. And if that happens, I mean, if you follow what his stat patterns usually are and if he's able to get back close to what his, you know, his averages are, then he's, then he's uh, you know, set up for a pretty strong second half of the year. And with the reinforcements that you're talking about, that should help, you know, aid that. Um, and the offensive line with Isaac Sayamalo coming back in, and Lane Johnson being back in the lineup, you know, all of a sudden you have a little bit more of a fortress in front of, of Wentz and some of the playmakers that he'll have his, at his disposal coming through. So, so yes, in theory, uh, you know, it should get better for them. And this is a really critical game because after this game, it gets hard. You know, they go yeah. on the road against the Browns. They have the Saints. They have the Seahawks. They have Arizona. They have the Packers in Green Bay. They have a, a, a tough sled. Uh, once they get past this Giants game. So, so yeah, it would, it would help them a whole bunch if they can pick up a W in New Jersey. Let's expand a little bit on the wide receivers. There's, you know, it's been an interesting cast of characters now for two years, but it seems like some continuity has been found. Do you think – a couple questions here. Do you think Fulgham's the real deal? How do you project Rager in the second half of the season? Do you think Jeffrey being back impacts Greg Ward's playing time? Yeah, so I do think Fulgham's the real deal. I mean, we have such a small sample size that you know part of you doesn't even believe what you're what you're seeing, but the the stats are are nuts. I mean, he, number one, he's he's leading the team in receiving yards by a healthy margin, and then if you look at his average receiving yards per game, like he's sixth in the NFL, and the top five guys are all beasts. I mean, you know, established veterans who, are, who just are known to, to crush it. And then there's Travis Fulgham sitting there as the, the sixth guy. Um, but one thing that gives you hope that he is the real deal is that he's a late bloomer. You know, he didn't get the football mm -hmm. until he was 16, still kind of learning it. Um, and there were factors that kind of led him to be under the radar really throughout his whole young professional career so far. And then and here he shows up on the stage and he has the athleticism. I mean, he definitely looked apart when we were watching yeah. him during the summer. We're like, who's this guy? 
Um, and, and yet you didn't really believe it because there's just, there just wasn't anything on him and there, you didn't, and you know, he didn't have much of a resume. So you didn't know whether to trust what your eyes were seeing, but you know, he's shown that, that certainly we should have been trusting our eyes a little bit more when it came to Fulgham. You know, Reger, I do think is going to have a nice career. He's had a couple early injuries. You hope that doesn't uh, happen for a foreseeable future here, but he's, he's got all the tools. So are these injuries bad luck? Is it just, just the name of the game? Because they feel like they're the most you know, injured team in the last couple of years. One thing is, though, Rager seems kind of superhuman, like he's Wolverine from X-Men or something like that, because he got back, I feel like, both injuries that he sustained back before we actually expected him to come back. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, when I checked in on that uh, with people close to him, when the injury happened, they're like, yeah, after the bye, like they're going to be saved and it's going to, it's going to be after the bye that he comes back. And, and you knew not to take it too much to the bank because of what happened in the preseason where, where he popped right back out when he was supposed to be a longer absence. So yeah, he is, he does have some Wolverine qualities. So that's a good thing when you're in the NFL, right? Oh, yeah. Killer. Uh, and he's young. So that helps. Um, you know, I think that uh, there may have been a miscalculation when they got rid of a lot of the uh, the doctors that they had and medical staff that they had uh, during the Super Bowl year. Uh, they cleaned house to a large extent after that. Uh, they've they uh, have been searching for like the right mix ever since, and and I think that you can point to uh, some of the inconsistencies on the staff the last couple years for for why maybe some of the injuries lingered the way that they did. They feel like they have um, a solid group now, uh, but it also happens to coincide with, you know, the COVID situation and nobody having a ramp up preseason. Mm-hmm. If you look across the NFL, like Niners, there's a bunch of teams that, yeah. that have just been completely wiped out. Um, so, so I don't know that the staff is still a problem, but it obviously it looks like it's a continuing issue. Uh, been, you know, a massive amount of injuries that we've had this year. One more question on wide receivers. Where do you um, see John Hightower going? I think he's kind of a fascinating case study. Obviously, he's had issues with tracking and catching the ball, but his speed is blazing. He's blazingly, obviously, fast, and he's getting behind the defense. Do you think he's just one of those guys that's going to need reps and reps and reps to finally become that deep threat that they're looking for? Totally, and and that's another reason why, you know, reintroducing Alshon Jeffrey right now to me is just a little bit perplexing uh, because you have – Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager, and even Greg Ward has done a nice job in the slot. Mm-hmm. And you do have to continue to get reps for Hightower, who I who I think has a has good upside. I mean, we've seen him like during during training camp, he really opened people's eyes because he was just he was just beating people one on one consistently, including Darius Slay. I mean, he was just you know he had his moments against one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and and then he uh, had some stumbles uh, when he got into the game. But he's a rookie, and that's to be expected. And I think the encouraging thing is that he can get behind people. I mean, he has proven that he can get open, and that's a huge part of it. Now he has to finish the deal. There's inconsistency <laughs> right. in his game. Yeah. He's had some drops. He's had some, you know, freshman moments for sure, but also some big plays, right? Back-to-back games, 50-plus yard catches. That's huge. Uh, yeah, so I, and Howie Roseman, as we know, he loves burners. So I think, um, you know, he's going to have his opportunities, and, and he could be part of the equation here. So Howie didn't buy at the trading deadline. Are they going for it? And if they are going for it, why are they going for it? <laughs> yeah, they, um, you know, they're always active. And when I was trying to get a read on, on what they were doing heading into the, uh, into the, the trade deadline, so, uh, yeah, I was asking, are you buyers or sellers? And, and it was like both, you know, uh, <laughs> you know what's going to come down? Because they're on the phone constantly. And it's a matter of you know, what makes sense uh, in our calculations. And so I think, 
you know, the fact that they were up against the cap, um, you know, they, they don't want to, they don't want to invest too heavily. They have to think about their futures. They don't want to give up draft picks. I think that put them in a spot where they just ultimately decided to, to sit it out. And I think that was the right call. They were willing to, uh, to maybe part with some veterans if the things were to surface, but a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, right? Like yeah. he's got a huge, contract. very tough to trade, very tough to trade at that part. Um, yeah. Uh, does Ertz, yeah. Does Ertz get traded if, uh, if he doesn't get hurt, you think? I think a good possibility. Wow. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was real. Um, it, it would have had to make sense for the Eagles mm-hmm. uh, and you would have been selling low to a certain extent, right? Because he was hurt and he's, he's having the least productive year of his career essentially. So, you know, uh, yeah. would the value have been there, but there, the talks were real. And, uh, and that really just kind of leads into the, the off season, like you know, the chances of him coming back, I think are just so small at this point. Let's talk about the cap for a second. Um, obviously the Eagles are way over me and Kyle talked about this a ton. I'm pretty sure, in my head, Howie already has it figured out. Do you have that same sentiment that, hey, this is already figured out, it's a non-issue? Um, figured out? Yeah, I think he, you know, he has a lot of the steps in his mind as to what that's going to look like. And whether you consider it a non-issue might be a little bit of a different story because you're going to have to shed money, uh, which means that you're going to be shedding veterans. And what does the team look like? And have you done well enough with your draft picks uh, to, to make up for that? And I think that there's definitely some questions as to as to whether that's been accomplished. Is is there any chance they kind of go the way NBA went and they and they keep the cap the same and they kind of just take the losses over an extended value of years? I could see that, but I think that there's an anticipation that it, that it might drop, and mm-hmm. that wouldn't be great news for the Eagles. No, no not at all. They're, no, you know they already <laughs> projected to be way over, and so that they have that in mind. Um, and yeah, they're, you know, them and the Saints are number one and two uh, over the cap right now. And there's, they're going to have to do some maneuvering. But as you say, you know, Roseman, it seems to be two steps ahead when it comes to these things. I mean, he's, he and his team have proven to be among the best in the NFL of navigating all of that. So why it looks pretty daunting now, uh, he'll work his magic and, and he'll make it. So it's, it's, it's not too big of a blow for them. I'm sure. yeah. could, could you project some of those veterans that you think might be a cap casualty? I actually want to expand on that. Fletcher Cox, any chance? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, but that would run counter to their philosophy okay. right. of building through the line. And they view him or have viewed him as, as a blue chip player. That salary is huge. I mean, you know, the, the cap hit of consistently, you know, he's making like on average 17 per. The, the cap is larger than that. And that's it's a giant chunk of, of what they have. So I think that he needs to prove uh, that, that he still has that blue chip status. I mean, he gets doubled all the time. So exactly. you can understand that his production isn't where it needs to be. But I guess the counter argument is, you know, the, the top players in this league do get doubled a lot. And a lot of mm-hmm. them still have a real high, high rate of uh, success in production. And so you know, I think Cox is, is one guy that's really got to help this defense down the stretch here and earn that coin. So let's get into the elephant in the room. What the hell is going on with Carson Wentz? <laughs> Solve Carson Wentz, please. Yeah, yeah. tell me. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I love Philadelphia. Seen, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. I've been a very big Carson defender the whole time. I still think he's not broken. I think the talent's clear there. I think it's all mental. I don't know where you sit. You're, you're definitely more plugged in. Is, is this an issue going forward for the long term, or do you think he can turn this around? I think he can definitely be better than what he is. Like, I think that this is a – in terms of can't get uh, much worse yeah right yeah Yeah. um at the same time i think maybe we have to readjust our expectations for Wentz because 
when he had the near MVP season in 2017, that, that set the bar in all of our minds, I think, of like, okay, uh, this team is going to be viable for the Super Bowl for like the next decade because this guy is a magician. Like he is, you know, he's an ace. Uh, he's one of the best you know, five, seven quarterbacks in the NFL. And when you have that, you have basically everything and you can, you know, figure the rest out. Uh, but he suffered two major injuries since that time, guys. Um, you know, the, the knee that he ripped up and then the broken back. And if we're honest with ourselves, he doesn't look the same physically that he, he did in 17. He doesn't move as well. Not to yeah. say that he, he's not athletic anymore. Like we still see him make some of those magic plays, still see him get out of the pocket, but he's not as twitchy as he once was. Uh, you know, he just doesn't have the same bend um, and the same escapability you know, that we saw in 2017. And so he needs to make up for that with his maturity as a quarterback. And the, the problem is, is that we just haven't seen that this year. In fact, we've seen it go the other way. He's, he's making decisions that really should have been shaken out of his system his rookie year. Yeah. Why are they there? Um, you know, it's, so it's, it's problematic. And if it doesn't change, you know, then, then the Eagles are really going to be looking at themselves and say, okay, where to from here? Um, you know, so this is a, a big moment in Carson Wentz's career. It hasn't been an easy path for him. You know, he's got Nick Foles in the rearview mirror. Always. He's got Jalen Hurts sitting right next to him. Um, you know, and, and so that's awkward. Mm-hmm. And the circumstances of your backup winning a Super Bowl and having to live through all that and then the, the injuries, it's been, it's been a rocky road for him. Um, he still has an incredible amount of talent. I think he can shake out of this. Uh, and reestablish himself as, you know, like a top half, top 10, possibly quarterback, top 10, top 12. But, you know, we're really going to have to see something uh, drastically different for an extended period of time to to get back to that point where this is a top three, top five guy. I mean, he's got to earn that. Right now he's 17 and 17 since <laughs> starts since the Super Bowl. And we have to start believing our eyes a little bit when it comes to wins. Do you catch any Andrew Luck vibes? Maybe a retirement early from Carson? I mean, I don't know. I, honestly, uh, I, I, it depends. I think what drove Luck out was the injuries. I think, you know, he had the – what did he have? The, the neck, right? Was it the, the, was neck it the, was the back? or kidney. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. he, had a, he had a lot going on. He had some of his shoulder too, right? I think he had yeah, some of his shoulder, shoulder. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could put like remember Alan Iverson. They used to do like all the different <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. parts like that that model. I think yeah, Andrew Luck unfortunately portion. was was dealing with some of that, and um and if that were if that were to continue, then then maybe. But I haven't gotten any like vibe that Wentz is on his way out or thinking. We've had David Angaro on, and he said he's very much a Type A personality. Would you second that? Like he's kind of a little bit stubborn, a little bit harder to work with. Is that uh, is that part of his personality? True. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think that's true. Like if you're comparing him to Foles, yes. Mm -hmm. I think Foles is more uh, laid back, um, you know, maybe a little bit more malleable. And I think that Wentz um, definitely has a vision of of what he thinks is right. Uh, And, and I think that he can be stubborn at times. I think he's admitted that. Um, And yeah. So could he be a little bit harder to coach? Yeah. I think that's, that's possible. Um, at the same time, uh, most of like the elite quarterbacks would probably fall into that category of, of guys that they have this high degree of competitiveness and competence uh, where they think it's right because you know, their brain just works at you know, 
super high level when it comes to football, and I think that's how Wentz is too. Uh, but yeah, but Type A, one hundred. Do we put too much stock into John D. Filippo and Frank Reich? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. I uh, I think that that was a perfect recipe. Um, you know, Reich was somebody that definitely had his trust, and I don't know that he's had that at the same level since. Like you know, him and Grow didn't work. Uh, this current construction uh, doesn't look like it's working. You know, if we're, we're just yeah. honest with it, like it just right. I mean. He's playing the worst football of his career. Like, what is going on? Uh, one of the things is, um, you know, I, I think John DiFilippo uh, was a type of coach that, that rides you really hard, um, that doesn't give a belief uh, about your feelings um, or, like, you know, being buddies with you. And uh, I think that that relationship was kind of more – I don't know if abrasive is the right word, but more like, you know, Respect. yeah, like he was, it was, it was established. Like he's the coach, yeah. he's the quarterback and you know, he's going to tell you the hard truth. And, and I think that was good for, for Wentz. You know, I, I think that Press Taylor is a really good coach. I think that he has a lot of promise. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of continues to go up in his career and, and even becomes a head coach one day. It is fair to wonder whether, um, Wentz and Taylor and this current configuration is the right one for Wentz. I mean, they, they haven't landed on something similar to 2017 since, um, you know, so I, so yeah, I would say that I wouldn't, I'd, I'd be reticent to put the blame on coaches. I think the blame falls on a year five quarterback, number two overall pick. Like that's where the blame lies is on his shoulders, but uh, coaching is a big part of it in this league. And, and right now, you know, just the, the right kind of mixture doesn't seem to be there. And I don't mean to be a, a question whore, Kyle, but I have, I have one follow-up. When he became available, DeFilippo, that is, again, this year, was that a simple we're ruling this out because Carson probably didn't want to have to deal with that relationship again? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that, um, you know, I think that they, they ha- they're on good terms. Um, you know, with DeFilippo, I know when his name was kind of hot – after Reich, it was more like, well, he had the option to go to a place where he could have control of the plays and right. don't get that here. And so that's why, you know, that's why the main reason why that wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, there, there was never, I mean, to your point, there's, there's never been any buzz about him coming back into the building since, uh, but it, it's clear that it worked with him as the quarterback's coach for both uh, Foles and Wentz. I mean, I think he was great. I thought he was great for Foles. I think he really pushed Foles out of his comfort zone, really sped him up uh, in everything that he did, just made you know him think quicker, play quicker, and it was great for Foles, and I think that was a big part of the equation. So why would any offensive coordinator come here? Yeah, well, I think that's, that's what they ran into this offseason. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly your point, is who, you know, what, like, high-caliber um, offensive hot-name coach is going to – come in and not really have the type of influence that he's hoping for. And they interviewed a ton of guys. I don't think the original plan was to not have an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. They're looking at Graham Howell. I think he was, you know, the name that, uh, from my understanding, Jeffrey Lurie really wanted. Um, But it just didn't happen. And uh, that's what you run up against. Uh, But this this year is going to be interesting because they got rid of the offensive coordinator last year. And if it continues to go on this path where the offense just can't get right, it's like, what's next after that? 
Um, right. That's, that's something that they're going to have to to figure out. But yeah, I think it's a very valid point that it's hard to get an offensive coordinator in here uh, with a, you know, that that's like a hot name if they're not going to be able to control the place. Well, I want to, I want to move off this real quick. Um, so let's address another elephant in the room. Uh, you're questioning yesterday to, uh, to Doug. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing your due, due diligence, excuse me, you work for ESPN. It happened on an ESPN platform. Definitely understand the questioning. You know, when you asked the Brett Favre question, did you think that it would have that kind of a ripple effect it did not only through the media, but through the fan base? And were you surprised by the answer he gave? Uh, I didn't think it would be, I didn't think it would ripple through because I didn't think he would give the answer that he did uh, the first two times. Um, I don't think there was any, I don't think that signifies like anything bubbling under the surface. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. saying <laughs> that. Yeah, tell that to, tell that to the uh, sports radio stations. Yeah. Tell that to, yeah. the, to <laughs> the other guys. This. Rob yeah. Motti saved the organization. I think, <laughs> I think yeah. we should, we should, yeah. we should, uh, we should hang a banner of Rob Motti in the link because so, yeah. he would have burned Doug, Doug down. Owes him a pizza. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No question for, for bailing him out at the end. He, he threw him a life raft and I think the light bulb finally went on with Peterson. He's like, Oh, got it shit yeah yeah. (laughs) he basically got led right to water you know yeah um yeah so what i think was happening there was that peterson was thinking more of like protecting Favre, because right you know he had already made that he and the organization had already made the decision that they went with wentz so it's pretty clear like how they felt about choosing Foles or wentz they chose wentz so that was already kind of established and i don't think that that peterson wanted to you know like just outwardly go against Favre or make him look bad or anything. Uh, so he just said, I re- respect his opinion and and that's it. Um, and he just was missing the part that it was sounded like right. less <laughs> followed up. Like you don't feel the same way. Right. And he's like, I'm just going to leave it at, at that. And yeah. then all of us are like, what the, what the hell's going on? Um, but I think that was just more of like Peterson, not understanding, um, you know, the, the subtext there. And, uh, you know, he's not always the the best at navigating press conferences or those situations. And I don't think it's anything more than that. I mean, how different does that go if it's not on Zoom? Um, why? Why do you think it would be different? Well, it's just because, like, I'm pretty sure the first question you asked your question, and then someone was like, "Hey, Doug, happy 30th anniversary for throwing 600 some yards." And then <laughs> yeah, Les Brown's right. like, "Well, hold on a second, let's come back to this." And he's yeah. like, "Wait." And then Rob Monty's like, "Well, before we figure this out, like, Doug." Like, yeah. like, do you think, like, the reporters that weren't trying to, like, get a story about his 600 yards passing would have been like, all right, guys, hold on, we got to deal with this this first. Let's let's get this to bed before it becomes a story. Because essentially what Monty Dud, Dud did was he's like, hey, this ne- this can't get out of control. I need to give you a shot to, to answer this correctly. Like, yeah. it's funny because if you're a media person just getting your start, like, let's say it's me, I'd be like, ooh, do I have a story? And then Marty's like, no, hold on a second, guys. We got to stop this, like, real bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great point because – and we were actually talking about this at practice today. Uh, you know, somebody from the Eagles brought up the fact of, like, you know, these Zoom conferences aren't perfect, but it's good because you guys aren't, like, yelling over one another to try to, to get in line for your for your question. You know, there's always, like, those those face-offs that you – Right. Have, right, like the reporter face-off. Um, and we're not doing that. and. You know, the counter to that is, yeah, but there's zero flow to the press conference because you get a question, uh, rarely do you get a follow-up, and then it's on to the next thing about whatever, you know, the next question was. And, and then the follow-ups, if you have one, if the, report, the next reporter decides to back you up, like, 
Les, you know, was like what six questions after me. Yeah. Right. was like four questions. The last after one. That. Yeah. And so yeah, and so it's strung out. And uh, next thing you know, the fans are all bent out of shape. Like you know, why do they keep peppering him? It's like no, we're just trying to. Right. Uh, you know, I don't think he understands like you know what he's leaving out there, and and you know the the media was kind of trying to put a bow on it and make sure it got to the the right place or you know make sure we had uh his his true intent i guess so um you know i don't think it was a matter of the media trying to overdo it i think it was the media um you know trying to do the right thing yeah i think it's funny because everyone's mad at the media right now if this i i really do think if it wasn't done on zoom this would have been handled like within like two minutes and we would have just moved on to a new subject it wouldn't have became this national story is what it has now become i should have just followed up like but you, you well, know, hey, let's not you, hindsight's yeah, 2020. Don't worry about that. Zoom, you know? Would you like to apologize yeah. to Doug on this podcast? We'll break some news or, or break Tim McManus apologizes. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Go. But when uh, you do bring it, when Mike Missanelli and Nebuli asked about it, make sure you say, Hey, the water boys had me on this. They had some great points on this one. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> question. Yeah. I'm going to drop that in. Thank yeah. You. I love that. Um, I honestly have to ask you a question. This I've asked this question, I think, to back me up here. It's Zach Berman, Dave Zangaro, Dan Gallen, and Dan somebody Gallen. else. There was definitely somebody else. Sorry if we missed you. There's a story. There's a story in the Islanders locker room where when they get to ask the coach, one media member always gets to go first. This particular guy always goes first. So my question is, is there a big swing and dick in the Eagles media press room? That's like, hey, let this guy get his shot in, then we can all go after him. Like a respect thing, or is it like, no, this is dog, this is Philly, not fucking Long Island hockey. Right. Uh, no, I would say uh, there isn't one like uh, alpha that would like we you know, uh, say, oh no, he must get his first. I, you know, yeah. Philly market is very competitive, so I think you now um, everybody's probably trying to be the alpha, right? Uh, but I'll say that Berman, for the most part, gets the first question, mm. at least in the, the Doug era. I think he points to he, – because he sits, like, right next to him to his right. And I think it's like a comfort food for, for Peterson to kind of – he's like, all right, I'm going to go. I just I just know that I'm going to go to Zach first. And he's a teacher's pet. Just, he went to Germantown oh. Academy. Come on. Yeah, he's, I mean, a come on. he's the Germantown Academy guy. That far Kyle was over here calling him a company guy on the, on the podcast. I'm like, he's, he's not alone. He wrote a great book. Yeah, Berman, Berman's awesome, man. He's great. He's, he's, we love Berman. Yeah, but Peterson usually, like, looks over uh, when we're in a normal setting, oftentimes, uh, to Berman first to, to get the, uh, the first question going. So so it's almost a year anniversary. Do you ever uh, think back that the best question that was asked after the Giants post game last year was from a guy in a furry hat who snuck into the press conference? I wasn't even in the room. I'm, so, oh, really? I'm still Damn. mad about that. That was a great – like, say what you want – should have been there, but it was an, a fantastic question. It, yeah. was, it was well thought out. And he knocked it out. <laughs> and he knocked yeah, it out of the park. He, he, had, he had his shot and he took it. He, he took it. The fact that Doug called on <laughs> oh, him, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I was bummed because since it's just me covering uh, the beat, right, for, for ESPN, like you have to choose uh, to go in the locker room or go to go to Doug mm-hmm. post game. So I usually go to the locker room because unless I really have to ask Doug something because, you know, his will be, you know, all about and transcripts yeah. and the whole thing. Uh, but then uh, as we're all leaving, I'm walking up the tunnel and I start looking at my phone and like people start buzzing about that, that dude that <laughs> broke in. And I was like, oh, I'm so mad I missed it. When, uh, when Sal's in town, do you guys ever go out to a nice Italian dinner? Uh, we've gone out plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. Sal's like, um, 
I've, I've known Sal for a long time. Like when I first got into the business, uh, I was doing a show called This Week in Pro Football. Yeah, so with, with uh, Bill Callahan. Callahan, right? Yeah, Pat Callahan, yeah, that's his name. Yeah, um, and we started in this um, in the shack in uh, Vineland, New Jersey. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Sal was always part of that program. And so, so me, Pat, and Sal uh, would go out to dinner like twice a year, like to celebrate the beginning and the end of it. So hmm. and when I first got in, you know, I'm in like, I'm in my twenties and I've never been to these fancy restaurants and, you know, I'm rolling with Sal pal and, uh, you yeah. know, I didn't know which fork was which and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, didn't probably have the proper attire. So it was like intimidating <laughs> back in the day. Uh, but yeah, but Sal's always been really good to me, man. He's been, uh, he's been kind of like a mentor to me. So we've definitely broken some bread. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big sports media nerd, so I do have a signed copy of How Football Explains America by Sal Palantonio. Beautiful. I met him at that was a big I met him at a, on this week it, of pro football. Well, it was I met him at a Barnes and Noble. He had no line. I was like, I'll get it signed. Why not? It was like Heck eight yeah. o'clock at night on a Tuesday. I was like, why not? It's a great book, by the way. Manifest Destiny, first chapter. Great, great book. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I know we said one more last question, but this is the one last question. So Carson never gives sound bites. Do you ever just want to shake them and be like, we know you heard the Brett Favre comments. Can you just be a human being and not a robot one time? He acted like he actually legitimately didn't hear that. Oh, come on, which, Tim. Which is, yeah, am I being uh, naive there? I think so. No, I mean, I'm on Tim's got, side. Unless he's got zero friends. Yeah, he can't hear anything because all the shotgun shells that he shot in his life, he can't hear anything. <laughs> I mean, he's a busy guy. He's got a wife. He's got a kid and whatnot. But like, you, you, he's got a content company. The guy's he's got friends. Guy. He's got 53 guys from North Dakota State. Like, he knew. Oh, I hear it. He's, he says he tries to legit, like, not listen, but I don't know how that one didn't get to him, especially after you know, Doug got peppered with three questions about it. How doesn't Carson know that that question is coming? So, uh, yeah, but he's, he's, he's not the, uh, he's not going to give you a whole lot up on that, on that podium. And that's, you know, he's a trained professional. That's by design. Yeah. I'm always impressed. If you could, I'll send you my resume. Just slip it to him. I, I just want to be his friend. Like, I think I could just be a good friend to Carson. <laughs> you I a resume to be a friend now? It's a like, resume listen, just man. to be his friend? Yeah, I'd be like, hey, listen, I'll take the fall for anything that goes wrong. And, like, I just got you, man. I got your back. Yeah. That won't be awkward at all. <laughs> yeah, it won't be awkward. Just be like, hey, listen, this guy, I went on his podcast. He wanted me to give you this resume. He just wants to be friends. To be he'll, friend. probably, he'll probably get a restraining order pretty yeah. quickly, but... <laughs> You know, you got to take right. a shot. Shoot or shoot. We'll That's clap it. back That's at, at uh, Brett Favre. We'll clap back. Yeah. We'll clap back at the haters. Yeah. So, but, uh, <laughs> but Tim, thanks, man. This has been awesome. Um, you know, good luck over there. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, as you know, I'm Tim McManus, ESPN Eagles reporter, contributor to 97.5. Thanks so much, Tim. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, continue to kick ass. You're doing great. Thank hey, you. Thanks, Tim. The Winter Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by the Pine Bands.